0: Se
1: you're listening to the otaku spirit anime cast my name is andrew and i'm joined here with chris yo and we're from the OtakuSpirit.com website where you can go for all of our anime new and old great community in the form links to the top social media links on the right side and all that good stuff and today's episode is the state of anime 2019 edition is
2: 2019 i thought it was 2018 we're talking about last year
1: you know you're not necessarily talking about 2018 you're just saying this is the state of anime and it is right now it's 2019 i see so okay. you, you never so have a state of years. you know. You never have like the State <laughs> of the Union or something, 28 edition when they did it this year.
2: So we missed three years. Then I guess I don't know <laughs> if we didn't have a 2015 one. No, we had 2015. We didn't have 2016. But that was technically recorded
1: in 2016, though. If that's your
2: point. No, it was in 2015. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. So why are you questioning <laughs> it? You are you not paying attention? No,
2: I have no idea what you're talking about. Apparently not. Mm-hmm.
1: Yes, yeah, so this is a podcast episode where we talk about exactly that, the state of the anime industry, the state of anime in general, and tell you guys what our thoughts on how things are progressing or regressing. I guess we can get into a lot of that too because it's more easier to remember bad things than good things, and that's always a sad thing in in every industry, but it's it's the, it's a thing. So, that's that's it. So. so, this is Chris's idea. Yes. And he threw a whole bunch of stuff into an outline. And then I made my stuff in there, and then he just kind of crammed all of his stuff into mine. So,
2: I guess I'm going, I'm leading the horse. Mostly, <laughs> you had a lot more to add than and I. Then I, I, it worked out exactly like I was hoping. Was I get get it going in there and get some stuff going, and then Andrew would add in his stuff, and then we'd have an, a a really good, uh, you know, just con uh, collaboration between me and him. And that's not how I want it, huh? When I say Chris. Do you want to take this
1: week? And you're like, okay, I'll throw something together. And then I have to add a bunch of stuff. That's no, not no, how no, it works. No,
2: no, 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 Okay. I, I'm glad that you added in. There you and go. You I, went, okay. And you went okay. nuts. That, and that, we that was exactly what I wanted. I wanted us to this to be a collaboration between the both of just us. Just need more warning if I have to add things to it. <laughs> not, hey,
1: did you get something? I was, it was basically yesterday. was like, hey, did you get something? To get- yeah, I have something you can look at. And I'm like, crap, I have to add to this just because I'm... Andrew, and I have to, I have to have everything, like, as much as possible, and I have to force myself to stop, because, like, okay, you're never going to get it perfect, we're never going to cover everything that happened up until now in anime, but, yes, anime has gone through a lot with every year, things change, things progress, and, like I said, regress, and this is where we kind of talk about how we see things are moving, the patterns we're seeing, what we think about certain things uh, evolving in the anime industry, talk about some Izzy is sekai taking over anime we'll talk about buyouts we'll talk about certain companies and their directions are going uh all that kind of stuff's all kind of mixed into there so yes as, as
2: chris alluded to what's what's our notes about this year this year um what uh okay i'm a little bit lost that's what i said notes through this year <laughs> Uh, like I said, mentioned earlier, we, we, it, the last one I could find as I was nosing through there, I think we poked in and said it here and there on one or another one. But, um, the last one that's actually uh, r- recorded on our site is 2015. Um, so I'm guessing we missed 2016 and 2017. Um, but this is really kind of more, it's just, just kind of us, uh, talking about things that we like or dislike to throughout the, the course of the year kind of more to get, get a discussion going on of things that, like Andrew said, uh, hinted at that that we see happening over the course of possibly into the future and, and what we like about it.
1: Yeah, I think for the most part, most of our state of animes end up being in discussionals and yeah. deliberation podcasts where we talk about how we think, 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 think things went for the year or whatever. So. Which is pretty much what we did usually do in our deliberations where we talk about anime specifically. This is what we enjoyed or didn't enjoy about the previous year. So we hopefully won't repeat ourselves too much. But there will be some things in here because we're going to go through like, okay, here's the biggest piece of news. We already talked about how Sony bought Funimation. We're going to talk about it here because we want to talk about how that's affecting the industry so far and some patterns that we see going on with it. So
2: yeah, and it's also nice that this is this the the idea behind this is separate from our top list, which, like Andrew said, we, we kind of go both ways when we say this is this uh, trigger is doing this, and so we really like that, and then we talk about that particular thing, but. Um, it, it's included in a big ol' long list of things that we're talking about as far as this show is the greatest ever, and so we, we just kind of to separate the two so that you guys, if you don't want to hear about this as, as a whole, you can just shut it down right now.
1: That, that's every podcast
2: episode. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to hear about the reviews this
1: season. I'm going to turn this off. So yeah, what's what's the biggest changes in 2018? Let's Let's dive into some things here. Like I said, I have a uh, basically a list of things. I, I basically went through all of our discussional podcast outlines and looked for like the biggest pieces of news that, like I said, will more affect the other ones. Like, yeah, I can go into this person when I hate us. That doesn't, it doesn't really affect the industry as a whole except for the people that really love that person's uh, voicing or music or whatever. So uh, the first one I have here it was the Miami list. My name, my anime list has been going through some changes. Of course, we talked about how DNA uh, had bought them out back in 2015. It was a company in Japan, uh, consortium, right? Basically, wasn't the anime consortium DNA? Mm-mm,
2: I thought Nintendo owned DNA. That could be it.
1: We're, we're, we're very uh, studied here. But essentially, this company had bought them out way back in 2015. I'm going to look that up just so we can make sure. I don't know how you would. Okay, I guess they have a Wikipedia page, so there you go. Okay, uh, at least I'm pronouncing it correctly. DNA. <laughs> I just kind of slurred it all together. Yeah, they're they're un- under Nintendo. So yeah, company owned by Nintendo bought out my anime list, and it seemed like it was going pretty downhill, and that was partly because they were saying that there was a lot of hacking that were happening. Essentially, people were attacking the. Um, The the source code, the source code that basically whenever somebody wants to input or output stuff, they were attacking that area of the site, and it was causing problems. I remember specifically the app, which I love, and that's the reason why I love uh, Mal, it was going down because they no longer had access to the ability to input an episode has been watched, and it sends it to the website, and the website updates your profile, and it was going on that that was going on for a while, and it didn't just affect that. It also affected people's ability to edit the site. It affected people to post. The forums were down because they couldn't. You couldn't even access the forums. They shut anything down that would have any kind of input. The only way that you could really kind of work with the site was to log in and access the the stuff that way. But even still, then so much stuff was not accessible. And later on, they kind of started, they made a uh, partnership, not a partnership, but they started doing uh, manga cells with Kodansha and Viz last year, so it seemed like they were trying at the same time of being crippled to add stuff to the site. I think the big deal there was that they wanted to not only have a site that people can go to and communicate and just have banners, they are looking to, uh, I would assume, make money through subscriptions and selling manga and selling uh, access to... Crunchyroll because they had embedded streams that never worked even if they were logged into the site it, it was no point to having the embeds because they weren't even working but they were trying something new which I kind of appreciated the thing that was kind of puzzling with the whole thing was that they still had like best fan sub sites and stuff on the very bottom it was like okay now this is a company that owns this you'd think that they'd not want to have piracy <laughs> especially Nintendo who just does not like piracy most Japanese companies don't I mean, they, they go out of their way to uh, sue companies that, you know, pirate content from Japan. So it was kind of a, an interesting little year for them altogether. And then we had just, course, here recently, and we're going to have some of this stuff is bleed into January because I think it's still relevant to the discussion. Uh, January, of course, media do end up buying Mal from DNA. So kind of interesting little move there. Hopefully we'll see an improvement to Mal. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's only uphill from here so please do something good with this company uh, like I said it is it is a good it's a good model it's a good structure it's just it needs to have maybe some better coders or something like that in the background get it more secure get the content that's in there available to everybody because every, everybody loves a place where they can both review their stuff talk about their stuff uh, keep your list your your little Look at me and how much stuff I've watched, kind of list. It's a good way to keeping track of what shows you're watching too. I use it for that purpose as well. Um, so, having that tool would be great. So, we'll see. We'll see how things go. Do you, what do you think that effect has on the anime industry? Just Mal in general. It is funny because it is one of those things where whenever people talk about is this show great or not, they always bring up the Mal rating, even though they always say the Mal rating's wrong. <laughs> It's like this, it's like this curse website that always kind of creeps up in every conversation and
2: then get, it gets immediately discredited in the conversation. It's a, um, Mal is one of those that has a, an interesting place in our fandom. Uh, when we were, we were just dis- talking recently with a, a certain person, we were discussing the idea of, to me, this, this is Mal being crippled at this moment and there, that weakness being shown has has the potential to sh- if if somebody like anime planet can can capture that audience this is the one time that they're going to do it it's it's an interesting place that that it is but at the same time there's no doubt that mal has a um is a rock in in our fandom and as long as it's there it just has so much information already there exactly
1: i mean it's like a company trying to take down wikipedia Wow, mm-hmm. there's so much information there already. And it, it, it is more than, like I said, the, the community-based stuff. It's it's an information thing, and I I love it for the ability whenever we're watching a show and it's driving us crazy trying to figure out what a save's voice is, and we look in there, and boom, oh, that's that person. Wait, I don't really recognize the name. You click on the name, and boom, you have a full, oh, that's what they've already done. It is it is so convenient, and it, it, is, it is more than just, well, look at the top 10 list that has 15 Gintamas in it. It's more than just that. It's more than just the aggregated rating that everybody discredits. It's it's an information base that is kind of priceless in a lot of regards, and I think a lot of people take that for granted in in most cases. Yeah, being able to look up a director and what the director's done. I mean, I'd be pretty <laughs> lost without it because honestly, whenever I do outlines that we do, I'm constantly yes, I'm cross referencing with you know uh, Wikipedia and sometimes Anime Planet and other sources. But for the most part, that's the first place I go to. And when they were crippled, it was it drew me crazy. It made my outline creations like ten times longer. Yeah, it was it was not fun during review seasons. When it's, I'm it's making one of those a huge that, list of information,
2: you know that ninety nine percent of the time this uh, this site is going to be updated because the people it, it, it's it's so open source in one res- respect that everybody is constantly updating that, and and that is a really really high key in what it does and that's, and that's one of the things that makes me fear i mean it
1: was, it was probably the fear back when dna had bought it but it's the fear now with media do it's like what are you going to do with this no pun intended what are you going to do with this thing are you going to slap more obnoxious banners on there that send exes at you are you going to turn into a a buy platform what is your intent with media do in the end and it's something that's only time will tell because no matter what they say now they can always change it two days later when they go, hey, we want to make more money off this thing. How can we do that? So it'll be interesting to see the future of my anime list, even if people don't like it. <laughs> just don't look at the ratings and don't look at the, the top list. I don't. I really don't even take any. It's it's always one particular number. And I know this is playing into the same thing everybody else says, but I literally go there just for the information. I really don't care about the the, the numbers on there, so. Uh, next one I have here was uh, streaming streaming partner streaming and partnership shifts. And you now this is like where all these companies that usually provide us anime have kind of been shifting around. And if you guys have been listening to us for a while, you probably know that we've talked about this several times in discussionals over the year because a lot of things happened. It was a pretty big year uh, for the shift of content and how it's kind of distributed and who's who's got their hands on the on the, the money bags. The first one I have here is uh, I'm just going to I'm going to put it under Sony. This is this is the Sony play. Uh, for those who don't know, Sony, of course, owns Aniplex over in Japan. So everything that you have to do with Aniplex has some kind of play-in with Sony. Uh, of course, here recently, we found out that Sony has bought out Funimation. So that was a very huge uh, change in the anime sphere, of course, because now Funimation is under a new umbrella they claim, of course, like with any other buyout, nothing's changing. But mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, okay, we'll see. <laughs> uh, the other big thing was, of course, with you know Sony owning Anaplex, we got announcement that Anaplex had bought Madman Entertainment. We had heard previously that uh, Anaplex had invested into Madman Entertainment, but we finally got the nail in the coffin, so to speak, and that the fact that they just flat out now own the company. They bought Madman Entertainment out from underneath the Madman. Distribution or something like that. Their parent company, I forget what the name was. Uh, so yeah, that's um, it's pretty big. <laughs> now I I think I had a, a bullet point at the very top at some point. I was actually thinking of moving it, or I wasn't going to even mention it when we were talking about this, or at the very beginning. But if you ask me, say, "Hey Andrew," I moved it
2: all the way to the bottom.
1: Yeah, I know. I'm okay. just saying. I was I was planning on moving. it. Uh, so if you say, "Hey Andrew," what is probably the most uh. Fearful thing that happened in 2018 with anime. If you asked me that, my immediate reply would be just one word. Sony. Or one name, technically. (laughs) I am very uncomfortable with Sony right now. If you guys have listened to us again for a while, you know that we've talked about some happenings with the PlayStation platform. Where, essentially, Sony had moved their headquarters to California... And Japan, in particular, the developers were having a lot of issues with communicating with Sony because they were having to translate everything into English and explain their game and explain the content in their game to people in California. And I don't think it's any big secret that people in California have certain political leanings. And that caused a lot of issues because whereas they wanted to have, you know, like a Sinra Kagura was one of the big ones they were having to change it and censorship it. Uh, it was happening with Dead or Alive. It was happening with a lot of visual novels that had more adult content within it. So that was kind of a big, huge scare that was happening over the last year in the gaming sphere. Now, what's to say it does not affect anime? Now, the weird thing is, is I have... Even though I say that we have yet we I don't have not seen any signs of this happening with Anaplex titles. And like I said earlier, they own Anaplex. So, and A1 Pictures in, in a sense, because A1 Pictures and Anaplex. So even though I say that I have a fear there, the fact that I have not seen Sony effect A1 Pictures and Anaplex titles in general makes me kind of hesitate making these comments because it's been around for a long time, and nothing shows signs of that. So I don't, on one hand, I don't believe they will affect Funimation in any negative way. It's still kind of that fear that I have. If they're doing this to, now it, it is probably a case of it's just uh, Sony Computer Entertainment branch of Sony is doing this kind of stuff with PlayStation, and Sony Computer Entertainment has no holding whatsoever on Aniplex or Funimation. Maybe that's the deal, and that's the only thing I think of. It's really hard to kind of discern where the branches lie and how they communicate to each other or how high up in the, the tree it's actually affecting things. Right. So that that's my concern that I had there, and I will say with some recent happening with Funimation here recently, I'm thinking it's just kind of a grassroots level. It's not something that's up high up that's causing this, so I'm, again, going to hold my judgments there. But it, it is a concern. I think the only thing that's kind of a positive thing that came out of this whole situation is, of course, Sony does technically own the Blu-ray, or they're part of the Blu-ray uh, uh, ownership of the Blu-ray Blu-ray uh, patent, whatever you want to call right. it. And here recently, Crunchyroll, when they announced that, the, okay, here, part two of Zero is being released – they said, oh, by the way, Funimation has agreed to replace the first disc of ReZero Part 1, or not, the, the entirety of it. And so, again, I don't know, but maybe in the back of my head there's this thought of, oh, well, maybe Sony said, hey, dudes, we're getting a bunch of complaints up here about this, and we just bought you. Fix this crap. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm more leaning to the idea that was Crunchyroll going, Dudes, nobody's going to buy part two unless you fix this crap. <laughs> okay, we'll fix it. So um, I went out and bought it because I didn't want to miss out on limited edition. Even though I knew there was a risk that I was going to get an old bad copy. And of course enough, I did. So I will, I have contacted them already and I've already set up the whole process of having to pay to ship the disc back to them. After I just paid to buy it from them, like not even two days ago. <laughs> it's like, why did not you put the disc the to box?
2: Anyways, that's that's just a side branch right there. I'll just
1: put that over the side.
2: It. it I, I. I. don't blame you. There is this aspect of of. It, it, there's a root in in a big company or conglomeration, whatever you want to call Sony. It, if this root is over here, or this one branch over here is doing this, why would it not affect the the rest of the the? the system. And so I I, I share your concerns. I, I think that this is really something that I I worry about because I as 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 much as I want this artwork to get to me as pure and untainted as possible, I the very idea that somebody could alter it in some way, shape or form does kind of irk me in 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 just really not good ways.
1: Well, the, the big thing, and I probably leave this as kind of that final thing to chew on is the big thing that it immediately pops out my head is with having the Singer Kagura guy actually come out and say, look, this is going to, this, I didn't think this was going to happen yet. And now it's going to probably be the norm across all platforms. It's like they're, they're pushing this normal, this, they're pushing, this is what you need to have as a standard. And with Sony having such a huge majority of the market with the PlayStation 4, they have the ability to push out that norm. Granted, technically, like we've mentioned during we we're talking about that, Nintendo's saying, come on over here. We're not changing. We literally have the only game we have Singa Singakagura is only the thing that you remove from Singakagura. So come on over here and play it here. So which,
2: which, which, it's kind of funny because there's always
1: this one company that says, well, I can provide that.
2: Well, and that's, that's that's the funny thing. That's what they need to understand. There's going to be always someone that says, well, then I'll provide it. And what I was going to say is that was the, the irony in the fact that Nintendo lost a huge portion of their uh, market to Sony for the exact same thing.
1: That was a big thing with the Wii U and everything. It was like I hated the Wii U because every game they were sending me was censored. It's, like it's, this, this was... the boob slider and Xenoblade. Chronicles no, this X. went back, why? This went back farther than that. I'm just saying here recently. Yeah. But yeah, it's it's been going on for a long time. I mean, technically, yeah, back in NES days, it was green blood with Mortal Kombat and stuff. So yeah. Nintendo's changed a bit. I I had one other point under here and it was sorted out online. And I guess it's something we do need to kind of uh, converse about, and that was here recently the uh, writer of Sora Online said in an interview, that essentially he was, he went over some cons over in the West, and he got some feedback from people regarding uh, his writing, and he said that he essentially wanted to, and they kind of quoted it, and I'm not sure if it's just the way they decided to translate it, was to make it more politically correct. And there was a huge storm of people that were just in uproar over this, like, oh my gosh, the Western audience has infected the Japanese writers. I ended up going back and writing it after I put it in the bullet points because I was like, okay, that was that whole thing that happened. I went back and actually read the interview, and I got a completely different take out of the entire conversation, or well, at least what they were kind of putting on the actual article. The what I got out of it was that he was evolved he he essentially pointed out that he was he was improving his writing. He said that I had all these female characters that were just coming into a story and they weren't they didn't do he didn't do anything with them. And that was my concern that I had with Sora online with the first season. Well the one, the one complaint that I had was that there's all these girls standing around Kirito, and they just stand there like puppy dogs waiting for a bone. And I wanted them to do something with these characters that I loved. They only got one episode and then they just kind of went off to the side and they talk about Kirito every now and then. And I think it's more of a thing, the way that it read to me was that he was wanting to, because he was also in the interview, he was talking with, uh, I believe it's the writer of Bloom Into You, and that's why the whole conversation came up about he wanted to include a Yuri uh, couple into the crowd. It wasn't that he wanted to have a lesbian group in the crowd. He just loved the story of Bloom Into You and he wanted to incorporate an actual Leary love into a story. And so me right there, I'm like, uh, yeah, I love Bloom To You. If you can get some inspiration from that, go with it, dude. Yeah. So it, it, what I got out of that conversation wasn't that he was infected by the Western audience. It's that he was inspired by the people's passion for his characters. He probably heard people say, I love Osna. Why isn't Osna around more? Or I love Sinan. Why isn't Sinan in the current story? He probably said, okay, look, I want to make these characters do something cool too. So he just more said that he doesn't want these characters to be on the sideline and there's nothing wrong with that. And I'm all for that because it's exactly what I want. And so I think it's just he's improving in his writing. I don't think it's, it's again, Sora Online is under A1 Pictures, which is under Anaplex, which is under Sony. So the reason why I put it in the bullet point was that reason. And I was kind of trying to see if I can draw a co- correlation in my opinion. And I can't because, like I said, I think that was just his, him As a writer evolving, which I think is awesome because I want to see him improve and do some great things with this story. So, yeah, I guess we beat that to dead horse. You did good. (laughs) Sony has been covered, which I guess, like I said, it is a huge part of it. There's tons of A1 picture titles out there. uh, So Sony's involvement in that is always important. Uh, That correlation that's going to come with Funimation What's Funimation's future going for? Because that was something we talked about when Sony bought Funimation. Was like, okay, we just got off of this whole drama about <laughs> Aniplex taking all these titles back from Funimation that were like, you know, Full Metal Alchemist was a big one, right? And now they own the, essentially Aniplex and Funimation are the same company. What are we going to see? Funimation titles become Aniplex price? We haven't seen that yet, so there there's like an important thing to kind of point out. Even though we were kind of going, what's going to happen going forward? We haven't seen that effect happen yet, and I'm really curious why. Because you would think it would be in their interest. If the reason that Anaplex does that is because they don't want back importing, why hasn't Sony yet gone to Funimation and said, "Yeah, what we're doing
2: with Anaplex, we want to do that with same with you"? So I it it it, it still it, it boggles my mind the entire idea of them taking their their. Uh, licenses back. I mean, if if they're technically owned by the same company, it's like okay. Well, this is no, before have... they got bought. Okay, that's true. Yeah,
1: I was. That's why I said I was. It was coming fresh off of that. So yeah, that was the that was the other thing. It was like it was again. It wasn't them buying it back. It wasn't them taking it back. It was right. it, to be clear with people. It was that
2: their license expired. Maybe and they have always owned it. <laughs> maybe maybe they just had to have their contracts complete before they could. that that could be true that could be
1: true there could be a conflict or something like that that they had to kind of let uh uh, fizzle out because that was literally i think that was one of the final one was a batch of one of the final ones so or at least one of the important ones i guess so there you go that's uh that's sony and everything underneath it let's see here netflix Netflix has done some stuff.
2: Yeah, it, it, it this this is this this one is a, a nice one to discuss because now we're we're what one or two two years into Netflix effectively jumping into the anime sphere, so it it, it is kind of fun to actually. Are them producing? Uh, I think it's probably the second.
1: Yeah, because they just went guns blazing in 2018, starting out. So
2: so it's it, 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 it's it's fun to 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 actually now look back and say what was our, our our first off was our fears justified i think yes they were uh the 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 frustration in not getting a show uh, except for all at one time I, that is always going to be there uh, until they let up on that and actually give us simulcasting it, it, we're always going to be frustrated with that the interesting thing that happened in the early 2018 was that they
1: they, it was almost like they test it or maybe they made a decision with only certain regions, and then realized they made a mistake, and they had to go with it anyways. Was that some actual regions had Violet Evergarden simulcasting? Yeah, it was, and and in Japan, it was simulcasting with English subtitles. It was like, wait, where is it at over here? But even still, they they decided to drop it, like right not about two weeks after the season ended so so we were actually able to review it within the season that era of course winter 2018 and so it was one of those things like okay you're you're one step forward two steps back kind of thing or at least you're you're you still have that chain on your leg so even if you step forward you end up getting yanked back so I, i i i i'm of two minds of netflix on one hand i love how much they're investing in in anime and production and whatnot i mean they're they're literally putting their money out there they they produce like ico incarnation be the beginning uh they did uh violet they helped with evergarden there was all these titles that they actually put their money into Devilman man uh what was the other one that was in that same season i think that was it But I mean, they're they're investing a lot of money in there and they're still looking to do more going forward. So it's like, I I love that they're helping produce more anime and it's outside the realms of like actual TV airing because a lot of these ones, the ones like I mentioned, were just dropped onto Netflix for everybody. So it was like, cool, I was able to watch Aiko Incarnation be the beginning along with everybody else. And that's that's a good improvement right there. If I had a choice, I would want them to just do that production and dump it all at once, because ra- that's their whole model, is this whole idea of binging, rather than you know, simulcasting, even though they did that with a lot of shows that were licensed by them. The shows that they produced, their whole concept was binge. Drop it all at once, have dub and everything on it. And I like that model more, because then I can actually watch it in the season, I can watch it with everybody else, whereas everything else, it gets lost in the mix, and we have to go back and actually watch it, and that always ends up messing with our our entire schedule so there is improvements there but at the same time they still have the same problem all these other shows like fate apocrypha sirius jaeger high score girl uh dragon pilot um let's see here uh technically violet evergarden forest of piano jutsuki pandora backstreet girls all these titles and there's there's tons of them all these titles are still within that same issue so again they're they're not advancing in that regard and I still wish that they would do that because, like I said, I love they're actually investing in this stuff, but I hate it whenever they hold stuff. <laughs> I'm having it well, right now with the when
2: they when they buy out all the all the production committees, and it, it won't matter anyway because they're all going to be do- doing that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> they're just gonna buy it all Now i did see somewhere where they're investing you know billions into anime still and they're they're looking to do a lot more going in the future but at the same time i've heard a lot of issues with their financing they've already recently up the uh, actual subscription cost of it probably to offset that so there is kind of like a there's a little fear there that they might end up cutting that out I'm not sure how good anime is for their entire bottom line. Are they making a lot of money off of it and that's why they're pushing it, or are they do they have the concept that you have to have something chicken or the egg first in order for the other to happen? And so they're 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 putting a whole bunch out there and a bunch out there investing the money hoping that eventually it catches on and they get a return on it. That's my question. Of course they don't announce how many views they get on stuff. They don't announce how successful these shows are, so we never know. But it's obvious that they are, they're putting an investment there, and that's something that's exciting. Speaking of which, one of the biggest ones they announced last year was Neon Jesus Evangelion, so that's a big thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we finally get the HD version of Evangelion. Uh, I, we had the joke that was the ongoing joke about, is it just that nobody wants... Is it everybody standing there and they're not answering the door or is that everybody's like walking up and they look in the window and they, and they have like a, if you're here to ask about how much <laughs> Evangelion is to a license, then you, you don't have enough money or something <laughs> like that. <laughs> if you're walking up the door to ask, you probably don't have enough. You might as well turn away. And of course, it, the thought is that all these companies said, nope, but maybe with Funimation or Netflix, of course, is going to go. I figured it would be Netflix or Amazon. It's like, um, so just tell me how many zeros you need to put on this thing, and we'll go. So, and of course, the big delay that they're having right now is that they want to redub it. So, mm, don't know about that. So, Still up in the air about that. I do appreciate that, because technically the old dub's always there. Well, sadly, not for everybody. I have it on my shelf, but I don't claim everybody else does. But I'd, I'd be interested maybe Shinji won't sound as much of a whiny <laughs> brat this time around. I'm just not too sure about if I want to have other characters like Rei and Asuka have their voices changed. That's that's a big concern. And Masato, who, she did a fantastic job on her. I forget the name, of course. So, and of course, the other big things they had going on was the li- their investments in live actions. Of course, they did the Death Note thing that didn't turn out that great. But then they end up going around and buying the store Online live action and they announced they're doing a Cowboy Bebop live action, so... More Netflix original anime live action adaptations that we can look forward to. Of course, I watched the
2: Fullmetal Metal Alchemist, which I think was partly by them, and it was okay. We'll yeah, the the Bleach one was okay. I I only kind of skipped through it. it. It it looked like I I I want to give them credit for what they did, and and, and it's it's one of those was things that by them. Yeah, it was on it was on Netflix. It's on Netflix, yeah. I just wasn't sure if it was by them. It, it it bumped into the same issue of CG in a live action setting doesn't quite work really well if you don't have a ridiculous budget like yeah, Hollywood. Distributed,
1: well distributed by them, but no, it doesn't show that they are they're not in the production team, so Warner Brothers is though. Yeah. Does Warner Brothers have something to do with Netflix? No, Warner Brothers is just a big name. Oh, gotcha. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's uh, I like the, I like the Godzilla films, but I don't think that was Netflix either. So, so that's yeah, like usual. Netflix be Netflix. So I it's like I can't really claim that that we've seen any kind of improvements from them or their effect on the anime industry because. Yeah, they affect the anime industry because of the fact that it's another company that's putting their head, their money into the industry, and that's always great. They're another company that distributes. And more importantly, they're a company that's focused on worldwide distribution. So if you can take anything from Netflix, it's the fact that they're
2: going out of their way to point out they want this stuff to be worldwide, they're, and that is a huge thing. They're taking these Japanese companies that we're, we're, we're constantly complaining about them not coming to the gate and... Looking over looking through and seeing that there's a lot of us here that want to um, take advantage of these these things that we really love the anime the figures all this stuff and Netflix is going up taking the gate itself and slamming it in front of their their production companies and say look you better come through this gate or you're you're not going to get all this money that we have.
1: I think the only thing that's negative besides the delays is for them still is the the concept that whenever there's something that's on Netflix, I never know if it's going to get a physical distribution. That's always a concern for me. Yeah, technically things that are like A one Pictures, Anaplex is going to release it at you know a high price, but there's other things that like w- that they actually invest into. Icoincarnation, Incarnation be the beginning. Who's going to distribute that? Netflix produced it. It's not a company that owns it out the outside of that. So who's going to distribute it? are they are they willing to sell these licenses to, for distribution to other companies like, uh, you know, Sentai Filmworks or something? Or are they just going to be... I mean, there's no gain to them. They want you to go to Netflix and watch the show. They don't want somebody to buy a Blu-ray of it. So there's that concern that I have. is like, when there comes a day when there is that really knock-it-out-of-the-park show that Net- Netflix has created themselves and put their money out there and there's no other person, like... I know that I'm going to be able to get uh, Violet Evergarden because it's Kyoto Animation. It's probably Ponycan, I believe, is going to end up releasing it. But what's going to happen with, again, a show like Be The Beginning, if it ends up becoming this really huge thing that I really, really love? What's going to happen with Evangelion? Are they going to find somebody to, do, to distribute it? Or is it just going to be stuck on Netflix because, again, they get no gain by physical distribution? And that's a huge concern that I have is when the when the moment comes where they're going to be a, already Neon Genesis Evangelion is one of those ones but they can still if they didn't get the distribution rights for physical technically the actual owner of the license can still give that to somebody else so yeah anyways I'm running in circles uh speaking of we we I guess we could have mentioned this when we were talking about Sony and Funimation but I guess it kind of is in a completely different park on its own uh, Funimation broke up with Crunchyroll. <laughs> now, in hindsight, there's a, the possibility that there was something there having to do with Sony. Now that we can look back on it, now we can honestly, you know, consider the idea that maybe the breakup between Funimation and uh, Crunchyroll was because Funimation was about to be bought by Sony. It makes perfect sense because I can see Sony going, "Look, I we want to we're buying this company." And we don't have any control over Crunchyroll, and you guys are too tied in with each other, and we can't take that liability, so you're going to have to break up. I mean, if you want to be together with us, we're buying you technically, so you don't have a choice, you're going to have to break up with Crunchyroll. And then Funimation's like, sure, (laughs) because we're being bought by Sony. So yeah, that was a that was a big shocker because well technically the whole partnership in itself was a huge shocker to begin with and we got all kind of got cozy with the concept because it was really cool because everything that was in Crunchyroll's catalog was for sure getting like physical releases and dubs and everything Funimation was easily accessible on Crunchyroll's platform. You didn't have to have a Funimation account. There was all these bonuses to the entire partnership and then out of nowhere once we got comfortable with it it all kind of fell flat on its face and you kind of still see some dubs happening with a lot of Crunchyroll stuff but I think that's probably more because they probably had still you know contracts they still had to fulfill but it will be interesting going in the future if we'll end up seeing uh the two of them still doing things together of course immediately following that was the fact that Crunchyroll got with uh Sentai Filmworks or technically High Dive and so, even though they lost all of Funimation's catalog from Crunchyroll, we got Synti Filmworks catalog thrown into Crunchyroll. So,
2: uh, supposedly, they didn't have a lot of lo- love lost. They they did not get along real well, apparently. I don't.
1: <sighs> that was the side I'm... of me that says I don't. I don't. I'm not surprised by that. Yeah, I, I that just, was. That I was... just I, increasingly every day I'm less and less enthusiastic about Funimation in general. So <laughs>
0: there,
1: there's very few things coming out of Funimation in the last 10 years that even is positive. Their their physical releases are garbage. They do a lot of uh, problematic dubs. The only benefit that I see in Funimation is that they do dub a lot of stuff. And th- even though I don't watch dubs... I do want the dubs available to those that love dubs. So it's yeah. kind of a, I want to like this, but you make it hard, Funimation. Yeah.
2: And, and that 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 is one of those frustrating things, is I love the idea of what Funimation is. I don't like a lot of what Funimation does. Does that make
1: sense? <laughs> mm-hmm. It's the same thing I'm saying. Uh, of course, Crunchyroll was not without their own buyouts. They ended up having Elation, their parent company, who is owned by Otterbox which is their parent company <laughs> was bought out by AT&T so it'll be we haven't I have not seen anything really big come out of that whole decision so um unless there's something happening that I see beneficial that is actually a cause from that or a, a result of that that I'm not aware of so that's that's a thing of course Crunchyroll ended up having their whole debacle with the uh spice the spicy debacle, (laughs) which they decided to start getting into animation and decided to release a video promoting it. And it was uh, nothing about the actual show itself. And that caused a huge drama within the sphere of the community. And they, in a result, decided to improve their infrastructure to offset people's complaints about them not putting the money that everybody subs to them into the actual architecture. So at least we got... I don't think it's an improvement of the actual video uh, streaming player because it doesn't control like I want it to. But everybody else seems to like it, so good on them. <laughs> I just stream everything on my other platforms, so I don't I don't get the whole browser thing. Well, I get the browser thing. I just don't get using that as your main consumption of anime is a browser.
2: So, yeah. Anything else to add on that whole thing? No, I I, I think that we we hit it pretty much. I it. it it's, I, I love that, that AT&T bought them out. I think that that, is, that, that's something that they probably needed. They needed that cash infusion have, have a kind of a, um, a, a safety net if something goes wrong, but the, the it, it's, it's, it's kind of like, I like what's going on up at the top. I'm still a little bit concerned about the little lower things, but let's just keep an eye on it and see where it goes from here. Just like with the Netflix thing.
1: I guess the other thing that's kind of interesting to think about is at is technically in the same, uh, umbrella as direct TV. I don't remember exactly which one bought, which I think at and bought direct TV or direct. I think so. I think at t is the top one. So, the question then comes: There is, do you think we'll ever see Direct TV stream Crunchyroll, a Crunchyroll uh, channel or something? I think it's possible. I mean, there's no, there's literally no cost to them. They literally go, okay, we'll just put together a playlist, we'll throw it onto this channel here. They don't have to pay themselves, so boom, it's there, and now you can watch Crunchyroll on Direct TV. I, I think that's a great idea. That's a,
2: just an idea, a <laughs>
1: So, going on, we have Amazon. How is Amazon doing for
2: you, Chris? Uh, another one that I'm concerned about. Uh, Amazon dropping Anime Strike was probably a good thing. On the downside, it's the subscription was not the problem that ever. I, I don't want to say it wasn't the subscription. The subscription is what everybody was had a problem with. Anime Strike in itself was not a problem. And I wish that I had a, 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 door to, you know, knock on and say, Hey, Amazon, this is, this is your, your, you missed the entire point uh, because it was a cool, it was cool having uh, anime on Amazon. That was really a nice thing. It just wasn't, you're a community that you really, really didn't want to kind of, you know, step on right then there, especially when you're first getting started. Yeah, I think the biggest concern that I have is, yeah, so everybody knows, yeah, the big,
1: biggest change that Amazon really had was that uh, really right off the bat within 2018, they decided to drop off Anime Strike. For those that don't know what Anime Strike is, essentially, if you subscribe to Amazon Video or if you have an Amazon Prime account, you get access to Amazon Streaming. And within there... They essentially have the you know satellite service cable TV type system where you buy channels if you want to watch this this company's HBO or if you want to watch this company's uh, content, you buy their channel and then they give that money to the actual channel themselves so it's like they're 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 essentially are a TV station and you buy what packages you want you buy what channels you want. And the big concern that comes there is that not only do you have to have a Prime or uh, a Prime Video account, you also then have to fork then more money to get uh, Anime Strike. And what infuriated me personally was that I already had a Prime account, but then I had to end up. And I always watched the shows on Amazon, but then suddenly on nowhere, they said, oh, by the way, if you want any of the newer shows, you're going to have to start paying us more. And it's like, I'm already paying you a hundred bucks a month or a year. And then on top of that, now they've, they've changed it. So you have to pay more a year. So it was like really kind of upsetting to a lot of people that not only did they have to have these accounts, they also had to pay for this. And that was a huge thing when you consider that they were only getting maybe one to four shows a season. You're, that's a lot of money to ask for when that's all you're providing. Now, if you were to have, you know, Crunchyroll's catalog, it's a completely different story. But probably the bigger concern was the fact that it's it's got region issues. Everything they they kind of license is kind of strictly to the regions that they're in, which is there are some limitations that are happening there. And that was a big concern with a lot of people is that it's kind of locked in certain regions and they couldn't access it. So, yeah, by the way, again, they ended up dropping off Anime Strike altogether. Now the how has it come since that point. Now all you have to have is a prime account or prime video account. I think it's it's sad because at the, at one point I liked that again Amazon was another company plugging money into the anime sphere. But on the other hand, it didn't seem like they were dedicated enough. It's almost like they were just kind of halfing it and expecting people to to jump on board. And it's like everything else. Everything with Amazon is there's certain things that yeah they invest into and they totally take off with it and they support it and they make it better. But then there's all the, all these other side things that Amazon gets their hands into, and they don't put enough effort into it, and it ends up breaking it. And that was one thing with 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 anime was that they it felt like that for them. So the moment the anime strike kind of disappeared, their catalog is kind of dwindling. Some seasons, yeah, you get maybe four shows a season, and that's great. But then there's other seasons where it feels like they maybe have one or two shows. This season, I think they have four. Do-do-do-do-do. Uh Kokori Circus, Um Kimikusa, and something else. Which is a, a huge contrast to some season where they've had, you know, four to six shows, and that's... So again, it's it's almost like they never really put all their their the desires out there and try to make it something successful, and that's always been kind of a a limiting factor for them. So yeah, I I almost want to say it's Amazon just give it up <laughs> because like I said, it, it sucks to have you know three titles over here. Nobody wants to subscribe to this just for three shows. It's great for people like me who I've already got a Prime account. For shipping and stuff like that, but it sucks for everybody else that doesn't want a Prime account. that They have to fork so much money for three shows. So, it it, it my, I was hopeful at some point for them, but now that I see it, they're not really investing into it anymore. It's like just stop, just just step away. And we already know that Noitamina is no longer exclusive to them because that was a big thing for them. Was we love Noitamina shows, so it was a given that we would watch everything on that they would put on there for every season or so, there's an Noitamana show there. We're watching it. Now with uh, uh, The Promised Neverland, it's on Crunchyroll too, so that's pretty much a... Well, it is only on Crunchyroll. It's not on Amazon at all, so that's a blatant, obvious sign there that they have lost the Noitamana uh, exclusivity, so... Yeah. Well, just give it up. <laughs> just just walk away already uh you you give it a good go just just walk away from it already Is there's and i almost wonder if it, again it's it, like netflix are they are they seeing a return on it i mean is there a reason why they're still going with it is it there's this one room where this one guy works on the anime and he's like yeah we're doing great tons of views boss yeah we're get we're doing good yeah all right
2: i think that the, just keep a couple shows on there so he keeps his job <laughs> i think the anime strike thing probably bit him a little bit harder than they thought
1: and again i don't think they really necessarily said but it's like is it a question of was it the negative feedback or was it just that they lost so many subscribers they weren't getting enough and they said look we're we're getting so much less here than we were before Again, I, I tell a lot of people that the way that Amazon works is completely different than most businesses. So there's a lot of cases where they just want to kind of shoot for volume rather than actual huge profits. And maybe that's what they're shooting for and they're getting that plenty. So, yep. That's uh, that's Amazon. Just keeping it going. Speaking of noitamina, <laughs> <laughs> Twin Engines took off on anime over the last year. And that's a huge one to kind of point out. Now, Not always successful, but for those who don't know, uh, Twin Anzins is basically a company that was created by a previous leader of the Noitamina block. um, uh, Was it Fuji TV? And, of course, again, like I said, we love Noitamina block. It's basically a late-night anime uh, uh, channel. It has, like, these very artistic shows, often very adult-type shows, that often tell just kind of very unique and awesome stories, and sometimes very artistically And that's Koji uh, Tamamoto. And he ended up creating uh, Twin Engines. And Twin Engines is a production company. And they, uh, of course, produce anime. And you probably know them by the fact you started watching a show. And immediately right off the bat, there's a bunch of weird CGI-looking guys on CGI motorcycles and drive drive off in the distance. (laughs) That's a Twin Engines-produced anime. And we only knew them before because they were doing work with Genocidal Oregon, uh as part of the project ito and they also did uh co-produced typhoon noruda Noru, noruda i'm surprised we have not watched that one yet but anyways they were just doing movies and out of nowhere with 2018 they just pretty much every season they started knocking out another show now we started things off a little bit rough with Kok- uh, kokoku which was intriguing but had some issues but they did that with Gino studio Uh, They also did Geno Studio with um, Golden Camus, and they, of course, did a second season of that. Again, had its issues, but there were also very intriguing stories. And then later on, they worked with Valen with uh, Karakuri Circus, and then they uh, started working with Tororo with Mappa here with this previous season. So it took them a while, but they're finally getting some really good stuff. (laughs) It's just my opinion. I know a lot of people love Golden Camus. Now, and in here, this next year, they're going to be working with Wit Studio with and Saga, and that's, like, massive hype for me. So, I'm happy to see them pop out, because, like I said, we, we have a lot of love for Noitamina. He did an amazing job with Noitamina Block, and now he's basically doing production and able to kind of focus strictly on these shows, and I'm really excited for him, and I hope that we see some really cool stuff going forward. So, really cool new person into the, the mixture of anime that I'm heavily watching. So, and they've already announced a lot of other shows. I just pointed out Vinland Saga. So, what are your thoughts? I I, I really want to do an entire episode on Noitamina and Twin Engines. Uh, eventually, I will try to deep dive into finding whatever I can find about them and uh, Noit- Koji and all that kind of stuff. Noit-
2: uh, Noitamina is 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 actually a very interesting uh, kind of. Thing within our, our our sphere of uh, what we watch, and m- mostly because it's it, it started out as a as a Jose block, uh, and it morphed into kind of an artsy block, and so it it it's a really interesting thing that just is a lot of a lot of fun to deep dive into. So I I don't blame you on that one. I wonder what when when did it finally jump onto our radar? It had
1: it been Katana Gatari?
2: No, because we. We didn't. Well, technically we, pirating we weren't that watching, one. <laughs> Yeah, we weren't watching. We weren't watching it that heavily when Katana Guitari came out. But it it just so happened to be that it is one of those that that was in the Noitamina block. I
1: want to say it was your line April when when Noitamina fi- No, and Resonance. I think was when when Noitamina block finally. When I finally labeled that, you know, that block as Noitamina block. And I think it was with with um, with Terran Resonance.
2: Yeah, and and it's funny because even if you go back, it shows that we were we we watched like Silver Spoon. I love Silver Spoon. Um, Samurai Flamenco. I'm I really need to go back and watch that one again. I think that that we would feel a lot different about it. It is back. one of those ones where when you Galilee look back on the Adona. list,
1: it is funny. When it's, it's one of those things where we look back on the list, you're like oh that was an otomana yeah katana katari uh, even things like bunny drops like oh yeah and yeah Wondering sun was on there as well for those that love that show I get to watch it that's the only reason i'm saying that uh, tokyo magnitude 8.0 eden the east was on there uh there was a ton of shows even before we even uh i think yeah the first one they had was honey and clover for those that were huge fans of that one again get to fully watch that one i've, I've watched part of it See, so yeah, it's, it's just, a, it's a block that just has just, like I said, ver- it's always more adult. It's always more, uh, it's either more adult, more artistic, or just has like a very unique story that it wants to tell. There's very few times that it's just a a straight fluff show. Even with stuff like Watakoi, it still has like that feeling of adults in it. It's not just a rom-com. It's, it's. It's a very solid lineup. And even when Punchline came out and everybody was discarding it its, it's first couple episodes, we kind of kept with it. And then, again, it it hits you. And it's like, oh, yeah, this is Noitamina block. <laughs> There's something here. So I guess Not a Buried Treasure was the only one that was kind of like a... Why was that there? Well,
2: uh, that's like, like, like I was getting ready to say earlier is like Galileo Dona. I love the artwork on it I didn't realize why I loved it at the time but now that I know a little bit more I it's one of those that I kind of want to look back at it again but oh man did we dislike it at the time Yeah but like I said I want to do an entire episode on them <laughs> like
1: I said I, I'm 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 glad knowing blocks still there I, I'm glad that they're still hopefully going to keep the pedigree that uh, Koji kind of, uh, you know, was a leadership in whatever he kind of pushed them to do that was successful with Noitamina. But I'm glad we also have now, here's another production company that is headed by the guy that was kind of uh, a part of that team and that he can kind of, now we have two avenues in which we can get, like I said, they don't always have the greatest quality and that's pretty much up to the studio that they end up working with. But at least that these are stories that are completely unique as much as I have issues with Golden Camus, it's a very unique story. Uh, as much as there was issues with Kokuku, it was a very unique story. There's always these kind of very unique stories with all these things. So,
2: course, cool I like Kokuku just based on its artwork. So, <laughs>
1: <laughs> The outro, yes. Uh, so yeah, that's, uh, that's Twin Engines. Like I said, a really cool uh, upgrade for the anime industry going into the 2018 season or 2018 year and hopefully on into the future. Uh let's see here. I have my next thing is the dramas of the of the year, which we kind of hit on a couple dramas as we went through this, some other discussions, but we'll, we'll see
0: how this goes.
1: <laughs> I hope it don't upset anybody with some of the stuff. So I know that some people have issues with this, some of the stuff we're going to bring up. It's all for good. Uh I'm not not downplaying by say it's all for good, but it's just a thing of uh, we're just going to kind of run through these things and Give our perspective on them, not get too deep into politics or anything like that. But it is what it is. Let's get into it, Darling and the Franks. That was one of the uh, the big
2: dramas of the. No, last it had year. two dramas that based around it. One of them is the easy one. We can we can knock that one out really really big. Is Ichigo apparently had childhood friend syndrome, and this was the worst thing ever to according to a lot of people. And no, it wasn't. It was. It was that Zero
1: Two was best girl and nobody could touch <laughs> Zero Two, and that Ichigo was this girl off the side that was too clingy and ruining everything for everybody that wanted to see Zero Two and her her darling be the bestest ever. And <laughs> I, was, I didn't I was, get it. I, I didn't get the drama. I was
2: absolutely convinced that it, uh, that that uh, uh, Zero Two would end up being the next. Uh, Yuno Gasai, but apparently not because I haven't seen her take off as much as I thought she was going to end up being.
1: She kind of disappeared pretty quickly. I can, yeah, I I can agree with that. That, Well, of course, that's every season. I mean, that's just like uh, when Trigger did uh, SSS Gridman, I never thought that uh, she was those characters were going to be around forever. And (laughs) with anime, everything is always a month away and then it's gone. So go back to our what's a memorable anime uh, episode that we did? And you can hear my thoughts on that but no that was that was that was frustrating because not only was it an issue where yeah some people get a little bit you know, they, they have fun with things they have fun with ships they have fun with wrecking other people's ships they they have their little spouts of who's best girl and whatnot but it took it to a whole new level with this particular one because they had people harassing the actual creators and that's where it always ends up going that another level and it's like people. Seriously, it's just a show. <laughs> Calm the hell down. Step away from your Crunchyroll app and go outside. <laughs> this is too much at this point. Threatening the lives of the people who create this this fictitious character is a little bit next level in the wrong direction. So yeah, that was um that was interesting. And like I said, I. We we did the episode drama in the Franks and you can get our full perspective there. But I was like, I don't see where the fuss is. I, I these characters are fully understandable what they what they're doing. The this isn't trash writing. It's just they're it's these characters and who they've grown up with. I did none of it made any sense to me. So
2: Yeah, that 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 was and and we we, we we beat this one to death when we were talking about it, and and the the other thing that was the sexuality norms and 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 how this was apparently a big to do about how it was speaking to how the world sees uh, homosexuality versus home or heterosexuality, and it I was like after we were done watching the show it was like this this isn't really what this was about it was really more speaking to other things and it, and it became a a lot more than it actually should have been it was it, when it comes down to it it's just a show watch the show and have fun with it if you want to analyze it and get something good out of it go for it but don't 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 turn it into something just because it, your your preconceived notions don't don't fit into what you think that it should say, and it didn't say what you said.
1: And this goes back to my discussions we had with our last discussion about the Vic Mignogna thing, is it's this... I... And a lot of these dramas that we're going to go through this list, so I'm not. we're not going to end up repeating a lot of this stuff, but to get an idea of... uh, The gist of my thoughts on this stuff is that a lot of this stuff stems down to just kind of toxicity in, in social media. And I... For a minute there I was kind of considering, do we have this crap going on with the previous years? And yeah, you've probably seen it here and there in a forum or something like that. But it if I can give 2018 anything, was like this this really huge increase of this toxicity. And it was this idea of just kind of tying everything into something political, tying every 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 writer's thought process assuming that this is what they're going for and assuming they're this despicable person. We've seen that with Shield Hero. And it's, again, like I said earlier, it's the reason why I just despise social media anymore because it's just echo chamber of toxicity. And it's in every fandom. And it's, again, because it's in every fandom, it's going to be an anime as well. And it's that's something that's diving there. It, it, it sucked because when we were talking about that with Darling the Franks, it was like, but that, when when we were talking about the whole idea of homosexuality and stuff like that, one of my favorite character moments in that entire show was the girl that was in love with Ichigo. Yeah. Her scene, yeah, I agree. She literally, it felt like she had maybe two points in the entire, technically three points in the entire chart. The very first point that she had where she was uh, she went and piled with somebody else, that was a throwaway. Her later episode where she had this confession scene was probably one of the most... Amazing points in that entire show. If you had, if if I had my moments in that show, it's up there and maybe the one to three point. I, I, it's hard to remember all the scenes in that show, but it was up there for the entire show is one of my favorite moments in that show. She was a strong character when they finally, yes, when they finally brought her out and had her do something, and of course the later points in her, what she was doing for the colonies on the later points of the the show, which I won't get into because spoilers. She was a huge part in that as well. So she was one of the most strongest characters, even though, yeah, I agree, she wasn't there that much. So it's like one of those things of like, do you not see this cool point right here? It, you're too focused on trying to turn this into something it's not and say you know what the writer is saying that you're missing these really cool, you're missing anime. <laughs> you're missing anime. Again, like I said, I contribute that to just the toxicity that's just infecting everybody from politics and social media. song. Again, I'm not going to keep repeating that. We'll kind of just hit with all the other points. So, yeah. It's going to get repeated. <clears throat> because, because it's pretty much this. Just, same. <laughs> we'll just kind of tie it in with that. So, Goblin Slayer was another one. Yes, Goblin Slayer <laughs> late in the year. The show that got popular because people hated it so much. It was so funny because I've seen people complain about Goblin Slayer not being on the Crunchyroll Awards. And I'm not going to point out what I think other people would vote for because I'm only one judge and... Like I mentioned on Twitter, (laughs) my favorite show of the entire year wasn't even on the list, so you know how much I was able to put in that point system versus everybody else. Uh, My favorite stuff didn't even get in the list, so if you're upset about it, there's some judges that feel that way, too. It's just, that's their system. But there were people complaining that Goblin Slayer wasn't on the list, and they were pointing out that it was because they were showing that map, like, early in the year. Like, usually, if they see some funny-looking signs into the... uh, the viewership of certain shows in Crunchyroll, they'll throw up these maps and these maps show kind of like what's the most viewed show of that state. And literally Goblin Slayer was covering the entire map. And this is early in the season. Why was it covering the entire map? Because everybody everybody was trying to to find out what the Mm -hmm. drama was about. It's not saying that since this show was the most viewed show in its first few episodes of the entire season, that it was the best show of the year so it's not the best. I love Goblin Slayer. Don't get me wrong. I wa- I read the manga. I have the light novels that I want to go through. I love Goblin Slayer, but I don't think it was the best show of the year. Not even close. So take that for what it is. But yes, they had that first episode very violent, very rapey. <laughs> and, it,
2: and, it, and, it, and it, not it's, rapey. It, it was rape. This so. is this is something that I I I I am gonna hit on it in, in, in a later later. Part of our discussion is this. There's a frustration in because I'm I'm very very I I don't want to say sensitive to it. I'm I don't like it. I cringe and I absolutely I despise. Hey, everybody does. (laughs) Okay, thank you. This is this is my newsflash for everybody. Rape isn't good.
1: Nobody (laughs) likes rape. Yes, there is a small minute people that are into that. And they are kind of messed up. <laughs> but everybody doesn't like rape. That's why it's bad. That's why we prosecute people that does it. I just want to get that out there for anybody that thinks that anybody that supports a show that has that content in the storytelling. Not to show. Any storytelling whatsoever. Any medium. It is supposed to be upsetting. It is in my opinion, well, not off bounds. A writer should be able to tell it, whatever that, story that, they want to tell. That's
2: that's my thing. Because like like Maria the Virgin Witch, I absolutely I I when that that particular scene came up, I I was I was so I I wanted to shut it off. But I did want to finish that story. And it, it was a story that I was really, really very much enjoying. And and this was was very similar. It was it didn't hold back. And I I like the fact that they did that to um to shift the 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 story forward. It was I think it was necessary for what they were trying to express. Why does the goblin slayer have this motivation? These are level 1 characters. The, goblin slayer being as high level as he is, why does he have any interest in this? And instead everybody went instead of going okay, the Goblin Slayer has this thing. He wants to protect people or kill the goblins to effectively protect people because he doesn't want to have whatever happened in his past to happen again. I can make assumptions. I don't know the exact backstory, but I'm assuming he had this happen to his family or his village or something. He's seen this bad thing that the goblins do. And so – they had to express this is why goblin slayer does not like goblins it was kind of necessary do i think that it was i whatever the point is is that that scene happened for a reason to give you an understanding of why the goblins are evil
1: like <laughs> i think i said it in the first impressions or review or something like that I can't again going back to what I said earlier I can't say what the intent of the writer is what I got out of the situation was that if you want to explain if you want to quickly explain this world and you want people to understand why this dude is literally going to wipe every goblin off the map why he's so devoted and why he even kills the babies they have to show this is what they do. They rape the women, and the women have the babies, and the goblins multiply. And so the only way to stop that is to kill all of them. And the best, I guess, again, I don't know his intent, the quickest way to do that, and for you to understand why he hates them so much, show it. And then, like I said, they don't really show it ever much again later after that. It was just a, this is it. And again, I don't know the intent of the writer. The writer could be going, this is really erotic. Or it could be more of the fact that this is an easy way to really nail it into the exactly. The people's I head. think
2: that there is an a, like you're saying it nails it into the. There was a weight in that situation, and and, and that I think is more more the point. It, just having two people in a bar talking about it would it have really giving you the impression of what they are doing. I mean, no, saying that they they take the women and
1: and they and they breed with the women and then the the goblins come out and they they multiply and then immediately showing him go down in there and kill a bunch of goblins and then kill the babies, I'd probably see him as the villain because I yeah. wouldn't have I wouldn't have connected as well. I think I
2: think that's very true. And again, and the, hey, hey, this is this is things to take into consideration, not necessarily that we're justifying it or anything it, it's just something to consider
1: and that's my main point and it goes in the same with the with Sword online realization because that was a, the other big drama that happened was that they had the, mm-hmm. the the pretty much nearly rape scene in that one and it's the same point and again that with that one i see it more a it shows that he's in this 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 hierarchy system and they treat anything lesser than them as their puppets their toys And he didn't like that, and they had to break a rule in order to stop that, and that basically triggered all the the events that happened after that. Could they have used something else? Sure. But my point is, is I don't believe that that should be off-limits. If a storyteller says, I think this is the best way to tell this story, they need to be able to do that. The moment that you say, nope, rape's no longer allowed in storytelling – was to say, well, decapitation's no longer allowed in storytelling, because decapitation's pretty damn brutal too. Uh torture's no longer allowed. I just got done watching an episode of Vikings where they literally chopped open the back of some, some guy's uh rib cage so that his, his ribcage spanned out and then they put his lungs on the guy's shoulders. The, if if it is the point of the story to tell that, the writer should be able to do that. No matter and if you don't like that you should be able to step away and I appreciate that Crunchyroll is willing to put a warning sign on the beginning of the episodes cuz I'm sure I want people to know that it's there so that they can avoid it if it's something that's I know there's people out there that they don't want to see that. It's affects them. They've been through it and they don't want to see it. And I perfectly understand that, but I don't want that to be limited from being in storytelling.
2: Yeah, in 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 sort of on a line in that situation it was it was giving you an emotional tie to understand why Kirito was doing what he was doing. I mean, he was it, pissed off. Yeah, he was. And I, so was Yuji. He was <laughs> pissed off. And and, and it, it 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 them forcing through something that was holding them back. And 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 I I I actually and that's another one where Yugi
1: lost his icon. By the he way, he lost
2: his icon. <laughs> Man.
1: I, we're totally dragging these out we should get these done quicker <laughs> that's okay uh, of course we had Overlord uh, season 3 technically we finally had I don't it wasn't a huge controversy but yeah there was a lot of people that suddenly went oh yes he is the villain and that was a shock for us as well so that was a, a little bit of a of a conversation that was flying around about that which was kind of interesting I don't remember he literally slaughtered a bunch of people, sent what's-her-face to go kill the girl that they just got done saying about how she has to go back and feed her little sisters, and he slaughtered a bunch of people.
2: Oh, yeah, I, I-, I gotcha. Oh, you didn't see I- the I controversy. Didn't, I didn't know that there was a controversy oh, over that.
1: So. It was just a kind of a, almost like a joke on the internet, it was everybody going, oh, that's right, he is the villain. Everybody's realizing. They're not sure what to think about it. Uh, after the rain had a... It was actually before it even came out. There was a lot of controversy about the fact that it was about a high schooler who had a crush on a 40 year old man. And I think those, for those that actually watched it, they realized it's not about that. <laughs> killing Bites, it's just, it's Killing Bites. <laughs> <laughs> it was, it didn't hold anything back. Very violent, very sexual. A few rape scenes and rape a yeah. couple times. Yeah, that snake dude, the wiener snake. Ancient Magus Bride. We had a little bit of a a scuffle about the slavery aspect of the the beginning of that story, and I guess technically the entirety of it, since she is bought by um, I can't think of his name, the skeleton guy. I wanted to say Ebenezer,
2: but I know that's Ebenezer. not the name. <laughs> <laughs> Ebenezer Scrooge bought her. <laughs> he had lots of money. He money bags. I now, know it wasn't that. I'm not saying that was his name. I said goes, that's what popped into my head for some reason.
1: This goes... I guess I can connect this one to get it kind of all bundled together. This one with um, Death March, the Parallel World Rhapsody. So we want to do that one now. And just this This is the slavery aspect because that was the other thing that was in Death March. It was something that here recently with Shield Hero is this concept of uh, normalizing slavery. And I guess glorifying it and making it seem like it's okay. And again, that goes back to the whole idea of in assuming the intent of the writer. And my thought process, again, goes back to that. I don't think these things should be off limits for writers. If you don't like it, just don't watch it. Don't critique people that enjoy it. it with each one of these, it was a good thing. And my whole point and the whole concept is that when you have a storyteller telling a story about somebody going to a world or a world that has its own set and rules. You're going to say that you can no longer tell stories about back in the day when there was slavery because it's off limits. Now, these are worlds that they're going to, uh, That was another one. Um, How not to summon a demon Lord. Technically the girls were enslaved to him.
2: They were trying There's to a, enslave him and it flipped back yeah. on them and they
1: became enslaved. <laughs> the, mas- the and Technically in that show, the masters became the slaves. No, my whole point is that these worlds that they're going to that they're telling about are worlds where this slavery is actually still there. It's not saying, "Look, welcome to the wonderful world of slavery. Isn't it great?" <laughs> no, these are just worlds where that stuff exists. With Death March, he was freeing these girls with with uh Demon Lord, he's not like he's forcing them to do anything. With uh Shield Hero, he's a guy that's in a world that that's normal and he's ticked off and he just selects somebody and brings her along oh, well, and, and, and then and ends he, up in they end up becoming close
2: friends he even he even chose the one that nobody wanted yeah he chose the one that she was dying and he made her better her. that was the point of the story <laughs> he makes her better it, it, it's it's one of those frustrating things it's because i i have this down as as one of the 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 controversies that i noticed that um, that this slavery is is is, is isekai in slavery becoming a thing, and I, I do technically agree. We had three shows in a span of a year. That yeah, it, it's, really it's I I, I did and, and one that. of my fa- my favorite um, light novels that I'm hoping to get uh, gets adapted is gonna have slavery in it. it. That's the name of the story. Is it slave uh, slave uh, slave harem in a in a labyrinth world or something like that? And and it's one of those frustrating things is. Do I think that they? There's always going to be an aspect of the self-insert character. Okay, that's gonna be a, a given. Okay, does that mean that that person wants slavery? No, I don't think so. But like Andrew said, I don't know his intents. Does uh, he very much could be pro-slavery? I don't know. But here's the frustrating thing: is like with Shield Hero, does does he? Um, actively go out and try to uh, make slavery a thing no he doesn't he goes and he finds the one person he's in a desperate situation like Andrew was saying he cannot ha- offense uh, use any offensive capabilities he does not have that capability so he needs somebody to be his sword but the entire world has shunned him so he goes and finds like i said the, the one, one thing that, that you can't shun you a slave exactly and so yes he does use the 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 crest to force her to do things a couple of times at the very beginning but she very quickly gets over that and he he never really does it again except for one one more time outside of that and again and again this goes back to the intent thing and it
1: goes back to the whole discussion about the rape thing. When when I was telling you, everybody is uncomfortable with that. Uh, it's like uh, unlimited blade works when Rentasaka and, uh, and and Kaji or uh, yeah Kaji was 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 has hand on her thigh. Everybody was uncomfortable with that. That's the point. But with those particular scenes, how did that make you feel when he forced her? You felt pain, right? I felt pain. I was hurt by it. It didn't. It wasn't a pleasant scene. It wasn't a scene like he forces her, and all of a sudden, light uh, glimmers on the screen and says, "Yes, he did the correct thing and forced her." It's showing her in pain, and it's a very dire situation. Nothing about that scene told me that this was a good thing.
0: They no, even, was, they, even was...
1: they even discredit him about it later on. Nothing about that was positive. Nothing about him going in that dark place to get her was positive. Nothing about her being in there was positive. She wasn't in a good place. He didn't take her out into a good place. He never, nothing about that was saying this is a positive thing. It was just the circumstances and of it, the it, situation, and it, and it of the story he is telling.
2: And it doesn't turn around and say, well, uh, he, he, he doesn't turn around and start going oh yeah by the way i have a a slave girl now i'm so happy and no <laughs> he 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 absolutely acts like he has a frustration with that yet he feels that it's a necessary evil to continue and technically
1: his- unless i'm unless i'm perceiving it wrong
2: the way they kind of interpret
1: it after his duel was that he technically never acknowledged her maybe purposely didn't want to acknowledge her
2: that she had grown up. Yeah, I, it, that, was, that was one of those things. That no, I the
1: fact that she was, it it almost like he wasn't acknowledging her Existence. physically. Yeah. Existence. Yeah. It, that she was a tool, but it wasn't until she kind of turned around and you know, confessed that she brought her out of a really dark place that he finally acknowledged her. And again, none of that was positive. There wasn't a good thing. He was still in a dark place all the way to that point. And I think, I guess, I I, I don't know his intent, but that's what I get out of the intent, So,
2: then then, then, then you can go into like um, uh, the the same thing with Magus Bride. That she was in a dark place. He technically bought a slave to become his bride, and she she
1: sold herself into it.
2: And and then because then you can she go was into, in a dark
1: place and she wanted to be somewhere.
2: And 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 there's here's here goes into my frustration because that. You also have, like, Andrew had pointed out... And he immediately
1: a- removed it, by the way, by the start of the first episode. Yeah. <laughs> he immediately removed the chains.
2: And, and, and you, immediately we, have, we also have, like Andrew had mentioned, uh, Death March. We have, I also brought up uh, the idea of Promised Neverland. Promised Neverland is technically a bunch of children on an orphanage kind of walled off. They're in a, effectively a birdcage. A, it's a farm, um, a, a farm. And Andrew <laughs> Andrew pointed out the fact that yes, they are they are food for a certain people certain group. Um, I don't want to go too far into it, but effectively they are slaves. They cannot. They have no volition of their own. They are stuck here, and it's it's frustrating to me that we have, in one hand, we have a show that is using this as a tool to. Uh, Force a narrative forward and into it, into a endgame goal of whatever the the writer's intent is. You don't know which story I just talked about. I I just na- we named out five shows. Any of those shows have the same exact situation: a slave is is bought, and for whatever reason is used to push forward a narrative. It could be Magus Bride. It could be. Uh, Shield Hero, it could be Promised Never- Neverland. They're all slaves in some way, shape, or form to push forward a narrative that is the writer's intent.
1: Well, that's what I was telling Chris earlier today. It was like, it's funny making this listing and pointing out the fact there's these a lot of controversies around things that have rape content in it. And yet, what was the, the one of the biggest shows that all the big networks was perfectly fine with last year? Man Crybaby. Yeah. Has rape in it. Mm -hmm. has children being slaughtered by the way have people being beheaded left and right and put on sticks and just mass slaughter sex left and right boobies flying over the screen Uh, everything fully shown everywhere and yet that show is perfectly fine perfectly fine but everything else nope can't they're all bad it's 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 odd to me that there are so many cases where people will accept one thing and not another thing. So I just have them on here as more of a joke. But Golden Cameo had a big controversy about the bear. We had Beargate, <laughs> CGI Beargate <laughs> happened, <laughs> and it still looked bad even later on. It's funny though. uh, Dory Coup, uh I, yes, there was a lot of things. Again, that one had rape technically in it. Um, forcing it had rape both directions too. The thing that I kind of want to cover on that was that the violence and the the content itself was, in my opinion, I think that was probably the one that ended up putting the death nail into high dive on Apple platforms, because uh, it, the only other one they had was the devil's line was the other kind of violent one they had that technically had near raping as well uh, and suggested a lot of. In, in a lot of cases, but yeah, it was those two shows technically were going on, and that's the reason why high dive is no longer on Apple platforms, because they gave up after that point. Uh SSS Gridman, that one why did I have that one on the list? Probably because the, the the thighs. That was a big controversy was the thighs. Uza Maid. It's technically of our 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 regular edition of I really enjoy this show, but there's technically a character in it that is kind of better. And Backstreet Girls. Did we even get any controversy on Backstreet oh, Girls? Oh yeah. I it, it I, I knew that it would, but I didn't hear it. Maybe it's because I just kind of gave up on listening
2: to a lot of because people. it is depicting um and, and this is this is this is another one of those that really, really frustrates me because I what I seen in that show was absolutely not what everybody else apparently seen in the apparently this is a this show is absolutely making fun of transgenders. Mm. and I didn't see that I I really didn't it, it, it to me this show was really more about making fun of guys and their insecurities and that's really what it was to me it was constantly the, uh, going on about how these guys who were turned into females how they were dealing with their urges and their frustrations well, I mean, and the this that, or that
1: the thing that I kind of Discredit that for is because of course the one thing that everybody kind of up gets upset about with anime and J- Japan in general and their depiction of transgenders is the guy that's the you know the the muscly man that's tall and does the ooh thing and it looks really really fruity he's like a over exaggeration of um, a very fruity
2: we even fruity guy we technically and, have that this season but he's actually done really well I actually really like him and it's uh, what, what what show is that um it's the uh, the girl domestic one. girlfriend yeah and he's he's done really well he he's very sensitive he's very uh, g- yes he's technically doing the mm, thing but it's not it's a it's trope it, which technically
1: applies yeah. to any archetype and <laughs> that's just the trope that they have for that archetype but no my point with that with backstreet girls is that i did that's that's the usual bad depiction of it Whereas with backstreet girls that the only thing that i can really see for me that i seen as like a troubling aspect if i even want to draw that conclusion was the fact that they were just kind of normalizing it so much and i would kind of see that as being a positive but yeah technically the whole this is a bad thing to have this happen to you and they're being forced to do it rather than it being a decision they want to do that's probably the only thing i can probably draw the conclusion me not being transgender they did but they did have just,
2: they did have some guys towards the latter half that were kind of weird in, in that that respect, where they kind of over exaggerated a bit, but it wasn't even that, it still went back to kind of a insecurity thing. And that's it, really all I drew from it. Was the entire the entire
1: time I did not see this as a show making fun of transgenders. I seen this as a here's a bunch of guys that got their sex changed against their will and yeah, they have insecurities about it. That's really all I got out of it. And so I guess if you wanted to know a thoughts of a straight person, that's all I got out of it. I didn't get yeah, anything like, out of it, just it degrading. It, one,
2: one, of the, one of the best scenes that makes this point very clear is is when the one guy was – he was a little bit – wanted to get some action. And so the, the Yakuza boss took him and shoved him in a room and made him watch porn for – Three days straight and then put a dog in there and let the dog show the dogs having sex. Yeah, it shows the dogs having sex so he can't do what the dog can still do. That was the whole point. And it was a huge slap in the face of two guys. And to me, it was all about making fun of guys and their insecurities.
1: Uh, let's see here. Machi had some drama. D- Machi, when the mobile game released over into the North Americas, they decided to take away the touch features because, like with the 3DS release of Fire Emblem, for some reason they don't like you being able to touch... pat the heads of your waifus. I don't know. And that's that's all the ones that I have. Uh oh yeah, I also have uh my little list of the Mo the the Lolly controversy continues with the release of Rue's Work Is Never Done and Island. And that's that's pretty much it. We didn't have a ton of lewd uh of lolly characters last year that I can remember. I guess technically had some in Death March as well, but that guy was kind of cool about not touching and not wanting it. Let's see here. I already put that one. Yeah, I was surprised that Happy Sugar Life didn't get uh, controversy about its later episodes because we were pretty huge on that, and I didn't hear much talk. Maybe it's because people gave up on it. It was another one of those shows that kind of had a different beginning than it had a later end. So, Yep. We also have uh, Valve butting heads with the visual novel publishers. That was a, a huge hit for the visual novel uh, world in general. We had this period of time where Valve was basically slapping the hands of uh, visual novel developers who were publishing on Steam, namely ones that were publishing ones that had, you know, adult content in it that you could patch out. And they were basically saying, you know, take it down kind of stuff that kind of backtrack they they quickly backtracked that i think like we had one week we did a discussion where we talked about that and we are like this really sucks for the visual novel industry that's really technically taking off right now and if you if you stop that you're going to kill that industry or at least the ones that actually getting money like publishing and making money in north america not just visual novels in general and then they kind of the next discussion we did they're like uh yeah they kind of backtracked and they said no we're not stopping things don't worry about it keep publishing we're going to i think they were said they were going to put a uh, uh, a way of selecting adult content or whatever and and kind of fix that entire situation. I haven't been on Steam since this entire thing happened, so I don't know. I haven't actually visually seen it. So they were talking about upgrading the tools and whatnot for that. So
2: It seems like cool. the it seems like the the I am getting uh hit with uh gates a, a lot more than I used to be. Are so. you old enough gates? Yeah, are you yeah. old enough gates?
1: And that's all they need to do is just put this stuff behind actual gates. You know, have have some kind of... And again, there's ways I'm of getting surprised that stuff. Not, but I'm, I'm surprised it's not integrated into the system itself. I mean... Maybe they just put something in there as temporary before they yeah. change the entire system because they could break things. I can see that. And also another visual novel news, Sekai Project laid off a whole bunch of people and Front, week, uh, front Wing reacquired the grisaya series in north america which i was like yay because yeah andrew doesn't like sekai projects <laughs> and finally the last one i have on here is production idm ims filed for bankruptcy last year which was really sucky because they made nari kong kong roha and castle tendon and which i really really loved so yeah that was a sad loss and they also did high school DxD, which that's okay because somebody else took it over Going to your stuff you have here, I think we already we hit already that hit one. most of the stuff here. yeah, so yeah. <laughs> You have next is the next anime bubble
0: question mark.
2: <laughs> I th- th- this is something that that me and Andrew have tossed it out there here and there. It's 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 a really interesting thought if you if you stop and think about it for it, the we're we're getting a glut of that anime. Now this comes with a lot of concerns with 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 some of us that have actually been through the first anime bubble and we're looking at this and we're going, Oh, we're, yeah, we're, snappers. Yeah. We're, we're looking at this and, and becoming really, really concerned about what we're seeing because the last time we got, um, the, the industry started just unchaining themselves and they just were going crazy. Um, the Japan was, was producing pretty crazily. And then, on on the American side, we were just getting it, and we were soaking it all up, and we were taking it. And at some point, crap started getting over to us, and we started kind of rebelling against that, and then the companies were like, okay, well – we've got all this anime, but nobody's buying it. So what do we do? And then they ended up bankrupting and that's when it popped and it all blew up and everything kind of shut down. And then we were back in the dark ages and we had to, you know, kind of recover. And now we're starting to recover. And now we're back into the situation where anime is coming like crazy. The anime is getting dumped on us and we're, some of it we're buying, some of it we're not buying because we're not liking this or that. So there's a lot of things going on in the in 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 the industry right now. And it's it's one of those things that it's always in the back of my mind that I'm constantly concerned about, okay, is these com- are these companies taking care of their customers? And I see things that kind of concern me because that's what kind of ended up happening at that there's there's a communication line between us and the companies those companies go to japan and they communicate where i see a problem is what we're communicating to the companies is not being communicated to these um companies in japan and that's frustrating to me and i so i i do see problems and i i i, I do get concerned about it quite a bit
1: yeah, I think the thing that I always kind of point out is, is – because I remember one of the articles you had in this this outline was talking about how the blueberry sales were still kind of going down in Japan. And my immediate thought that popped in my head was, but that's not that important. <laughs> it is the one thing that – the thing that I always kind of have to remind people is that the Western audience is, is never that important. So whenever somebody says, well, we can make them change this because – We're the customer, too. And it's like, yeah, but the Western audience still remains not a blip on their radar because while, you know, we might not buy Blu-rays, we might not stream enough. Over there, they might not sell Blu-rays enough because it's a dying medium. But at the same time, their profits are up because why? The thing that actually makes money, not the TV shows. It's the stage shows, it's the the figures, it's the memorabilia, it's all this other stuff they sell that is what's making them bank, and they're still doing well off. At least that's based off the, I don't know, this was like a mid-2018 thing that I read was that their their profits were up because of this other stuff that they do. And, again, when we're talking to a certain individual about our thoughts on, you know, some type of uh, content that you can provide fans that would be a benefit – one of the things I brought up was well, one of the biggest bunny deals that as happening in Japan is, f- for example, being the uh, stage shows and stuff like that. Live stream it. I, I can I can tell you there's a lot of uh, listeners that we have that and and, and uh, friends that we have that are huge on Love Live. How do you watch the Love Live event? You hope it's on Nico Nico or you find some kind of bootleg over here or some uh, illegally uploaded stream or you go to Japan what if you could provide that i mean that's a huge avenue that's not that's a, that's untouched over here and it's literally what's making them money over there so you would think that there's a correlation if you could provide that there might be a benefit to it because again the show itself the stream the 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 stream revenue yes they are beneficial i mean one of the biggest things they hit on early in in uh uh it wasn't early but it was a, few, a couple of years ago one thing they were kind of pointing out was that there was this big benefit to studios that they could make this huge uh amount of money right off the bat not the studios but the producers huge amount of money right off the bat because we lock in the streaming licenses over here and they get this huge you know uh deposit in their bank before the show even starts yeah. that's it's, it's a positive but in the overall grand scheme of things, it's not what they're kind of drooling over. They're drooling over this other stuff. What 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 stage shows can we do? How many CDs can we sell? How many uh, interviews can we sell? How many uh, shows can we sell tickets to? All this kind of stuff is the big money makers. So even though I see there's this kind of, I guess my point to the whole discussion is the anime bubble thing is if I could see anything happening, it is the fig tea that's happening in Japan. It is the the large abundance of stuff that they're, they're trying to push because with, you know, 30 to 40 shows a season, nobody's going to go to the, the – buy the figures and go to the content for a show that just doesn't do well. Yep. And that's – it's a huge loss of money right there. We're, for our side – yeah, I'm more concerned. I'm more concerned about the quality of stuff that Funimation is putting, the amount of stuff they're pushing out, and how the quality of the issues they're having there. I, again, I'm beating the dead horse, but I was ins- insanely angry about what happened with ReZero. And I'm certain it's happening with a lot of other ones. I haven't checked my uh, Death Parade Blu ray, and I'm pretty sure there's probably some issues in there as well. What's to say that all these ones that I bought because I love the show? that haven't well, got time to look at doesn't have some insanely
2: bad issues with it. Well, my point and and I I think I got lost in the in the communicating from com- company to Japan. It's really more the company is not listening to us. And that was really where I was talking about is yes, it, the the communication going to Japan is, not, is 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 another thing that I'm concerned about, but our communication to those companies is 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 getting separated somewhere, and that that really really bothers me because these companies are not listening to us and they are not communicating what we want done to Japan ultimately. But they're not listening to us. What would you want them to hear from us? A lot of things, like like you're like you were talking about with Funimation. I mean, the, the they're not listening to their customer base. They they think they know better than their customer base. Oh
1: yeah, there's a huge concern where if if companies that license Sekai the stuff, project was a great example, They just, they don't care. No, to add to that, I think my concern would be, yeah, I don't want, again, going back to my issues with Funimation and, and some people within Crunchyroll, if, if they could convey what they think we like to the producers versus what we actually want to tell them. Yeah. I can see there being an issue there because, a lot of anime fans don't agree with... And again, this is, this is a perfect kind. You can have your own political beliefs. I believe that a lot of anime fans don't have the same political uh, leanings as a lot of people that are in these companies. And again, going back to the whole Sony discussion about uh, their swaying of the Japanese market. The fans are furious. the The people that want to play the games are furious. But yet Sony is the one that's making the judgment calls. Yeah again that's their prerogative because they're platform so they get to choose so i'm not saying anything about that it's just it's still it's still upsetting to say the least what else you got um i lost track um you said they had serious issues popping up from time to time yeah i can see the production issues with uh Mahe mehoden and ungaku uh, shoujo my sister my writer and ulysses john the ark was Again, that goes back to the production costs, and if they're trying to push out a lot of things, yeah, some are going to get low budgets, and it shows, and it sucks because, again, going back to the whole thing with the writer of Snafu and uh, his issues with production qualities of his show that he had produced and how, again, my theory that he made another show to make fun of that Mm -hmm. uh, is, is a thing.
2: We also have, uh, uh, like Andrew had mentioned earlier, there's the region locking problem that some come. Com- and I think that this is a licensing thing more than it is an actual thing of people trying to be mean. Is, is Funimation gets licensing for distribution or streaming rights in America? They don't have any interest in streaming in Germany. I. i don't think that's really necessarily a thing of people just trying to be mean it's just that's the way it is but it's still one of those things that you kind of wish that if they would fix this problem Um, yeah it
1: sucks when they license things and it bleeds over into other territories and then those territories other companies can't get the license that really does suck
2: Hey, and, and and we were complaining about it with Netflix. It's the same – it's the, it's all the same issue is when you want to – when when people want to support these com- these companies and they can't, it's, it's just frustrating. Um, I which I think – is something that I hope that Netflix is making them
1: uh, kind of examine more. Like with Netflix trying to push things to be worldwide, I hope that is a thing that makes all these other companies go – should probably do the same thing, <laughs> but again, I know they don't have as much money as Netflix. So, um,
2: uh, so I I tossed it in here as the movie production hell, um, complaining about um, our our, our silent voice finally after three or four <laughs> million years of uh, waiting for it, three we're years. finally gonna get it. Um, <laughs> it, it is it is one of those frustrating things. I kind of wish that they could find a better way of doing that. It's 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 one of those. Do I expect it to be fixed overnight? No, I don't. I mean, we did get uh, the the guitars pretty quickly comparatively. I mean, it's not, it still takes forever to get them. And is doing
1: pretty darn good with getting stuff out pretty quickly. I mean, having filled it didn't take too long to get out. So they seem to be improving that a lot.
2: So, yeah, it, it, but at the same time, it's... Come on, a little bit more.
1: <laughs> it's just those other companies that seem to be so focused on theatrical showings and multiples for Silent Voice is kind of putting a damper on it.
2: Um, and then um, the only thing I've got la- left is for this side is I I do want to give it a good side. There is is some good things in it. Um, we 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 hardly have any more shows that we're missing anymore. That when when a season comes out most you can almost guarantee at least 90 to 95 percent of that entire list is coming out at some point. And I think that's a really really good thing um, We also have a lot more show variety, just gobs and gobs of stuff every every season if if you don't like this show, you have at least 15, 20 different alternatives to go and watch. there's so much stuff coming out right now um, and there's a lot more, um, riskier and original shows that are coming out. So they're they're taking chances and I think these are all just wonderful things that are coming out of this. Yeah, I want to say that
1: 2018 had some really insanely good shows, but there was some season that were kind of pretty meh. I want to say that summer was pretty uh, fizzly. Winter was just stacked. It was insane how stacked that season was. But... Overall, I can't deny it, There was, with the positive to having too many shows a season, is that there's always something for somebody. There's always going to be a sports show, a sci-fi show, a romance, a rom- rom-com, a comedy. All these ones are kind of all mixed in a big, huge hodgepodge of stuff, big stew of stuff. That's always good. So,
2: yeah, fandoms becoming more militant forces oh <laughs> uh, that that's really more the
1: we already went through our we toxicity already. of social yeah, media toxic. okay yeah am gonna run through these quickly because we are technically running long, and i didn't want to really spend too much time on this anyways but i did like seeing a return of a lot of stuff we had a uh, return of release and i'm not i'm not gonna cover all of them because i'm sure i missed a lot of them but uh legend of galactic's heroes re-released even though it was an insanely expensive box set uh, we did Kickstarter for Gunsmith Cats. Princess Tutu came back. We finally got a, another release. We had a release of Hyoka, which technically the first part released in 2017, but the the important one the complete the collection that Andrew got was in 2018. Kosick <laughs> Sick made a return, so we finally got Ghost Sick. Uh, Devilman, the original Devilman, uh, the OVA, uh, Nedgima came back. Outlaw Star and Ergo Proxy got a Blu-ray release. Uh, unfortunately, which uh, Hunter Robin got a DVD release. Urusei, Yatsura, Beautiful Dreamer got a release. Hopefully they'll do the other ones as well. Uh, My Hime did a release along with uh, the rest of the Mayatomi, which Chris despises and doesn't acknowledge existing. And the Gundam, of course, we got some more releases from Nozomi Entertainment and Sunrise, which is great. So we got Mobile Fighter G, which we're currently watching. Gundam 00 and Gundam Age were all released last year, which they're still keeping strong on those releases, which are great. And then we had uh, new seasons and remakes. Did you just of tease?
2: Shows. What? Did you just tease a, an upcoming uh, review? We've been teasing every episode for the last three episodes of podcasts. It does seem like it's been taking forever to watch that show. <laughs> it's a long series. Uh,
1: new seasons and remakes that they did for uh, the last year of, of, of new anime. We had Banana Fish finally got an adaptation that was a really old manga. Uh, Legend of Galactic Heroes has got a remake, which from what I watched so far, was really good. Uh, Car Sakura Clear Card Arc was a return of Car Sakura. We had another season of Steins Gate Zero that we not want to mention about. (laughs) High School DXD made a return with Hero. Full Metal Panic came back with Invisible Victory. Piano no Mori, which was a remake, technically is still continuing. Kiki no Kitaro was another remake. We really got to get back to that. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Cutie Honey Universe was another iteration of Cutie Honey. Uh, we had the third season of Magical Index. We have uh, Karakuri Circus was a remake as well. Uh, Dororo is technically a remake. We are currently watching that in this season, technically. And Double Decker, which was technically a new season of Tiger and Bunny. So, there you go. Cool stuff coming back. Again, I like I said, I probably missed a bunch of them. But I, I really appreciate, especially with MAPPA and how they bring back stuff, is really cool. Seeing the... Uh, a return of these older series or just kind of continuation with some that we thought were never coming back still waiting for that rest of that spice and wolf Mappa, get on it <laughs> uh let's see here uh we've pretty much hit most of this stuff but uh let's see here isekai project or problem isekai problem
2: you think there's a problem with isekai's I actually think quite the opposite, so...
1: <laughs> no, it is funny, because if you, if you look at anybody's, like, discussion of how 2018 went, every single one of them is, is there more Isekai than ever before? It's 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 in discussion every single time, and
2: it... <laughs> it's kind of sad, because we, we, we were pointing out the fact that people were complaining about this glut of Isekai when there was only one Isekai every year. Now... Okay, yeah, I guess there is technically more isekai because now we're getting two or three a season now. So Here's my argument,
1: because I've seen your little thing on here, so I decided to scour the list of releases and kind of get an idea. If you really wanted to go by the perceived idea of what a overused a sekai is. Would you consider Ancient Magus Pride a isekai show? No.
2: Right. I, would you consider I can see where it's Caligula. an isekai. I can see where it's an isekai, but would I consider it a quote-unquote isekai? No, I wouldn't.
1: But, I mean, if you were to go to somebody and say, hey, Ancient Magus Pride is an isekai, they are going, no, it's not. Because it's <laughs> no. not... It's not that formula that people think is overused. You think Isekai, you think boy walking down the street, boom, he's in another world and he's fighting dragons with a sword he doesn't right. know how to fight. I don't consider Ancient Magus pride is Isekai. I don't consider Caligula an Isekai. I don't consider, uh, what was the other one that I had that was kind of a, a shrug off? Uh, it's Girl in Twilight. I don't consider Isekai. I consider it just being alternate realities. So, if you consider the, uh, the idea that if you really kind of narrow down what a isekai is, Death March to Parallel World Rhapsody—that's an isekai. Uh, Overlord technically began as an isekai, but I don't really think it's an isekai anymore. But th- that was a continuation. So, you technically, so far for winter, you had one isekai show. For spring, you had—I—I I would argue no isekai shows. I would not consider Karyo, uh, karyo Bed and Breakfast to be as an isekai show. She's just going to the spirit realm, and then she goes back and forth. Uh, Caligula, like I said, it's just a kind of more of a trapped in the virtual reality world. It's not technically an Isekai show, in my opinion, but er, it's an escapism. It's like a video game type uh, concept. Yeah, technically that's Overlord as well, but it's less of a value of their wanting to be stuck there, and it's isn't an alternative world. It's their world, technically. So you have One in Winter. It's going to summer, since there's none in spring. Summer, again, Overlord's continuing. I don't want to call it that. Master of Ragnarok and How to Not summon to Summon Demon Lord, are Eyes. So you had two there. And then you go into fall. That would technically be two, in my opinion. Sword Online, again, that's another continuation. Uh, yeah, I would. Conception? It's technically.
2: Yeah, I guess technically, conceptual. But it's was. more, again, it's more of a video game and it's.
1: It's I thought like was, it was in their world,
2: world. i thought that that or i'm
1: sorry I, I i don't know if we're talking about the same oh, i'm it's talking about to... Sword online but yeah conception okay. it would be any a second
2: I yeah C- conception i in the 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 i i was under the impression it was the same same as the second one and that was in their actual world and this one he actually got sucked into another world so i guess technically yeah but it, it so death Mark, that,
1: like i said Putting aside Overlord, which is a continuation, putting aside Swear Online because it is a continuation, you had one in winter, none in spring, two in summer, two in fall. It's five out of 250 what, <laughs> two hundred and fifty? Did we figure? What was it like forty times four? So yeah, I mean, really? That bothers you <laughs> that there's five out of so many shows an entire year that we're having an isekai problem? No, we're not. It's like every other genre. Well, and the, and we the, have the, more rom- rom than isekai.
2: We the, have more sci-fi than isekai. And that's and that's that's one of those things that I wanted to talk about in the n- next section and maybe I can jump on it a little bit early is um cuz we were going to talk about the kind of shifting of the genres and 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 where things are going in the in in what we see in coming up in the future. I I mean, I, I think it's a, it's an interesting thought if you stop and think about it, is there more isekai or is there more shows in general? And so yes, with that glut of extra shows, it looks like we're getting an, a glut of isekai, but no, it's more that we're just uh, having a glut of shows and, I, I think that's an it, interesting. Uh, th- thought. But that's the troubling
1: thing is it's always this concept that everybody thinks is so many of these shows and it's like there's a ton of shows. Go watch something else. There's mm-hmm. plenty there. Why do you have to focus on what everybody else is watching that you don't like? Don't watch it. <laughs> of course, that's the case with everything. No, yeah. If if when you were noting the idea of this of uh, kind of patterns, my immediate thought went to. What do I believe there's been an increase or decrease of? In my opinion, there's an increase of violent shows. And my disappointment is there's a decrease in etchy shows. Yeah. Because in my opinion, over the entire year of 2018, the only ones that were really solid etchy shows, and they were really solid etchy shows, was How Not to Summon Demon Lord and Yuna in the Hot Springs. Those are the only two that I think are really, truly etchy shows. There was, yeah, Death March technically had some quote-unquote lewd scenes but they weren't prevalent in the show it's like one scene the content was it was it was com- something completely different those two shows how not summon demon lord and unit those are etchy shows that's what they're going for and so i see there's a huge decrease in etchy shows which everybody complained about so good on you i guess you're getting what you wanted but there's an increase of violent shows which is much to Chris's detriment. <laughs> yes, because we had Dario, Magical Girl Site, Fade Extra, Devilman Crybaby, Children of Wales, uh, Happy Sugar Life. Um, what was the other one that I watched that nobody else watched? The one probably that was probably the the, B the, of the beginning or the or Switch the, game. The Switch game.
0: It the was a Switch game. game.
1: No, the Switch
2: game where it had the over top head thing. The 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 trends that I'm seeing, by the way, is I'm seeing a lot more uh, sci-fi and supernatural. And I'm actually seeing a lot more romance and drama and slice of life uh, just just kind of covering these these especially with what Andrew is noticing is the more violence the I think that the anime that's coming forward is a lot more serious and they' they're they're taking these shows that 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 most people I mean when you when you think of anime in in a lot of cases if you're listening to these folks they're Angel of death that's angel what of up. death I got you. <laughs> Um, it seems like a lot of these people are thinking that there's just s- gobs and gobs of fan service and and etchy and and there's all these stupid rom coms. And and yes, there's 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 quite a few of these cute girls doing cute things th- uh, shows that are popping up at the same time. But th- I also see a lot more serious shows and like Andrew was pointing out that that I'm actually getting turned off of really, really quickly because they're just Gore and 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 murder millions and millions of people all at one time. And it's like I'm seeing a lot more serious shows going on.
1: Well, my point I was going to make was, uh, what were the heavy hitters last year? What were the shows that were the heavy hitters last year? What do you think? What genre do you think really took over our list? I want to say it might be slice drama. of life. Yeah, drama, and drama, slice, and slice of life. Of life. Yeah, Those are the ones that kind of took over because. Again, like you were saying, not, not I'm not I'm not gonna follow you on yeah. I, like I said, I do agree there's an increase of of violent shows, uh, but I do I also want to say that jumping onto your partially onto you is the idea of serious shows just in general drama, right. slice of life stuff like that. My top list I had March comes in like a lion, Hinamatsuri, Planet with, Zombie Land Saga, and a place for the universe. Besides two of those solid had solid slice of life and drama in them and it was the same as yours Except he you had it's to colors instead of uh place for the universe so again even with yours it's yeah it's technically partial comedy but you still have a, a plethora of things that are more drama driven and, and slice of life especially the fact that our number one on both of ours is a drama slice of life i just i think that and I, I want to probably say that when we did the slice of life or, or we just did drama last, this last time,
2: I think that was where we were having the hardest time. Getting, I think we just did things in there. If I remember right. It, it had, yeah, it had a huge list. And, that, and that, that's my point is I, I think it's, 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 it's interesting that I, that if I'm, if I'm looking at, at where the, the, the anime industry is going in the next C se- next, next year, I think romance is coming up. I think there's going to be a lot more we sci-fi. Need, we I need think, a return
1: of romance. And yeah. woman to you is a great start.
2: Exactly. I, I I think that that's the direction that we're going. Is we're taking a lot more of these serious anime and. Tada never falls in love with exactly. last year as well. That was a solid romance. And 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 sci-fi, I think, is going to be something that's going to be kicking in a lot more. I think that we're going to get a lot more space odysseys probably here soon. I mean. I think Legend of the Galactic Heroes, depending on how that that was received in general, which I believe is probably got sucked up because people have been screaming about that show for years. Um, so I'm 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 sure that going into the next season, we're going to see a lot more um, space odysseys. I think we're going to see a lot more uh, uh, sci-fi. I think we're going to see a lot more romance. I think we're going to see a lot more of these dramas and how they're going to
1: keep playing out. And that was one thing that I was. To, to bounce off of you on that one. That was one of the things that I was like really into with Legend of Galactic Heroes. Yeah. Technically I didn't jump on board on the remake and that was mainly because I didn't want to get invested in something until it had its conclusion so that I can dive through the entire thing. I didn't want to consume the short release that they did and then have to wait for the other stuff to come out. It's just kind of one of those ones that I want to absorb the entire thing. I was almost happy to go back and just watch the, uh, the, the old one. So yeah, I mean, this next this next season we have uh, curl and Tuesday. We have The Return of Fruits Basket. So we're going to get some, I mean, already scrolling down this list for next season, we're going have some solid dramas. But yeah, I do hope that we get a resurgence of, like, space dramas and stuff like that. I would love to see a resurgence of sci-fi. I Like I said, Blooming to You is a solid romance. I would love to see more of that. Citric Citric was definitely another one that was trying to do the the yuri romance but did not even get anywhere close to the levels that bloom into you was Todd never falls in love with a solid and if people know me i don't like anime romances i think they're half the time they're either too adolescent and thus they never really go anywhere with it or it doesn't exist and so to get something yeah technically bloom into you is still uh in a high school age but it was still a solid romance in even that regard so hopefully we'll see more of it i want to i want to see I want to see romance really take off in anime.
2: And then my u- ultimate point of what I was trying to say is, it, it do, do you really think that there is a shift to these things? Or do you think that it's just because of the uptick in content in general, it's just offsetting and making it look like there's less of the um, uh, cute girls doing cute things, for lack of a better term, or a a goofy comedy or a um, uh, high school um, comedy or, because I haven't, I, I can't think of the last time we've watched a, uh, I guess there's the club shows per se. They're still out there, but. Uh, no, club shows it, died. It, <laughs> I, club it, shows it, died. Is it, is it, is, is if you want to say something has
1: disappeared is club shows, club shows have died. Mecca has technically died. Um, I mean, we we still get like a Gundam every now and then, and we got Darling on the Franks, but Gundam or Mecha's in general has has died for quite a while. Club shows died. Like I said, there's less truly edgy shows. So if you want to see, my, if you want to know my thought of trends are, I think that's that's it right there. Increase of drama and increase of violence, less etchy, less Mecha, less club shows. There's still I, I think that they just kind of burrowed out of the club shows and just kind of made them more theme based, you know, cafes and stuff like that. So Okay. That's my thoughts. I'm sticking to it. Mm-hmm. Uh what else do you got? Are we basically done besides the the very ending part and your little question here? Yep. What was you basically covered?
0: <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. my the number one fear that came out of 2018 i put sony like for reasons that i mentioned earlier and I, but i do it, looking at your answer there never mind yeah toxicity of social media is my biggest thing
2: yeah i i i my my biggest fear is definitely the split between the fandom and the industry i i think that that and how exaggerated it it's becoming because of social media or in general, the fandoms How combative themselves have we become yeah.
1: with the, with the industry too. So,
2: um, what else you got here? Number one
1: excitement that came out of 2018.
2: I uh, my mine uh, since I already did went ahead of, of Andy. I, I think the accessibility is absolutely wonderful. The new blood in the, we have like what four new, new, um, New uh, production studios. We have like four or five new studios this this year. Um, we've had just alternative genres being taken seriously. Like like I was mentioning, we're we're getting a lot more um, romance, a lot more drama. The shows are being taken serious, and and they're actually I think they're actually taking into consideration shows that are or stories that are um, have more hardcore fandoms because they are more serious instead of just. Uh, cutesy um, fun girls or whatever have you I I love to see that they're doing a lot more exp- uh, experimentation I, I think this is absolutely phenomenal and it can only be good for our our, our industry
1: if you ask me what the number one exciting thing that came out of 2018 it was SS has grid man thighs <laughs> <laughs> no I no just on the spot since I didn't really think about this. I, I I guess my biggest thing that I've I probably hyped the most about this entire podcast episode was probably Twin Engines, and I'm excited to see what they do. So that that I guess that'd be my excitement that came out of 2018 was this. They're they're kind of they're getting out there, and yeah, they they had their struggles with a couple of the quality of their shows. Again, that goes into the studio, and hopefully they can kind of push them to say give them the, the money they need, I guess, or to to say, look, you guys have to have quality going forward. So, yeah. Anything else you have before we 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 close things out? No. All right. Well, yeah, that was the State of the Anime of 2019. Hope you guys enjoyed our run-through of this stuff. Hopefully, we have not upset you about our opinions on certain things. Again, that's just kind of one of those things of... That's just how we think. We don't have animos- animosity towards anybody, if you think one way or the other. Again, I the only animosity I have is the... Probably against the toxicity of social media. That that's probably the only thing that would probably be negative against anything else. It's just kind of a thing of I see it a little differently, but I don't have any angst against anybody or anger against anybody. So hope you guys enjoyed all that. Um, again, we're at tacospir.com. You can go there for all the money news is all. Great community forum. Stop to social media links on the right side and all that good stuff. And I guess I want to conclude things with is kind of I want to give the notable uh, passings of 2018. Uh, some people that we uh, are kind of, yeah, there was a lot of passings in 2018, but the ones that kind of really struck us in In the passing, in the anime
2: industry. Yeah. (laughs) And
1: technically in the anime industry. And I want to point those out and give them one last uh, goodbye. And then we'll go off into our music. And yeah, so we have the first one is probably the one that hit Chris probably the most last year. (laughs) Isayo, Takahata, who, of course, was the director and co-founder of Studio Ghibli. Uh, probably one of his biggest ones that he did uh, f- for directing-wise was Grave of the Fireflies. He also did Only Yesterday and Princess Kaguya. Uh, we also had uh, Ushio Ishizuka, who was, of course, the voice of Professor Oak. Yep. I don't know how that's connected to you, but I guess that's an important thing. No,
2: I he, he was just a, a big name. If you look through his <laughs> his list, he was actually yeah. really big. <laughs>
1: But yes, uh, we also had Yuki Aoyama, who was the drummer for Nana Ripe. And finally, we have Yu Yamamoto, who was the mobile suit Gundam scriptwriter, amongst other things. So our condolences for those losses. Uh, we would definitely miss them. And the even though we weren't know them personally, they made a huge impact on us through the fandom that is anime. So with that, we say goodbye and thank you all for listening. Oost.
0: もう call oh, me marat